Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome to Worst Year Ever, a production of iHeartRadio. What's anti my fascism now? No, no, that's not good. That was a failure of an introduction. Um, that was a failure of an introduction and also legally a call to terrorism, I think, now. I think me saying that makes me and all of you a terrorist and by definition also Spotify a terrorist. I don't know. Uh, that's why today uh, I'm here, Sans, Katie, and Cody, um, who have disappeared for reasons mysterious. I'm to here. talk about uh, Sophie is here. Thank Hi. you, Sophie. I'm here. Um, you are. I just, I just, and wanted, we're. I just wanted to be, be heard. We're the co-hosts of Worst Year Ever today, <laughs> and we're going to talk about um, the government's, the president's declaration that Antifa is a terrorist group. Uh, with my friend and lawyer Moira Cohen. Moira, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing okay, given the givens. How are you yeah. doing today? I'm I'm good. Was I accurate in stating that Spotify is now legally a terrorist? Uh, I actually cannot give legal advice uh, over uh, the the radio or on a podcast, so um, um, I, I just can't comment on that. I also want to remind you that this conversation is not privileged. That's good. Good to know. That's good to know. And I'm taking that as a big maybe on Spotify as a terrorist. So if you're the CIA, please start sending Spotify arms. Um, so, <laughs> Moira, we're in a we're in a weird situation, and you're the person I call whenever scary things happen involving the law because I don't understand the law. Um, I, all I understand is to ask a police officer if I'm being detained. Um, <laughs> That's a really good start. Yeah. You're you're ahead of the game there. So, you want to walk me through kind of? I'm I'm curious as like as as not just a lawyer, but as like a movement lawyer, as somebody who deals with um, cases uh, that that relate directly to um, let's say political activism on a regular basis. When uh, you wake up in the morning, or whatever it was, when did you when did you hear that the president had had stared out at our crumbling nation and decided that Antifa was the blame? Well, you know, I I don't know if you've noticed this since the pandemic, but time is now fake. Yeah, yes. it is a flat circle these days. So I honestly can't tell you what day that was. <laughs> what I can tell you is I woke up to a flurry of panicked text messages from just about everyone I've ever represented asking whether they were about to go to federal prison. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had that moment of panic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. Whatever day that was, was a busy day. Yeah. What and are, it was also... Days? 
Yeah, I don't. It's all the. I think in the in the words of Janis Joplin, it's all the same fucking day, man. Yeah. The the answer generally is no. You're not all about to go to federal prison. I guess that's the good news. That is good news. I don't think I would like federal prison. Very few people do. Yeah, I don't want to like prejudge it because that's not that's not okay. Um, yeah. But that's my gut feeling. Yeah. So sometimes I have days um, as an attorney where I feel like I'm being gaslit by the entire state. And that was one of those days where I thought, did I miss a tremendous change in law while I was sleeping? Um, Did I just wake up to a world where the First Amendment is utterly meaningless? And it really it it sort of rattled me and I had to take a minute and and step back and think about it and do a little analysis and say, no, uh, this, this proclamation is legally for the time being meaningless. Um, but unfortunately that doesn't mean it's socially or culturally meaningless. And it doesn't mean that it won't have impacts. Sure. Uh, in the way the law is enforced uh, or in the way cases move through the legal system. And there are actually, like, I think one of the things that's important to understand, because this ties into also aspects of why there's a lot of reasons why the federal government um, fell on its ass in terms of responding to right-wing violence, uh, particularly in the last four years or so. Um mm-hmm. But one of them is kind of related to the difficulty of declaring something a domestic terrorist group. Like, there's a lot of restrictions on that. Would you mind giving, like, a little overview of, like, what that actually is? Sure. Um, so I think I'm going to actually zoom out even a little farther than that. Sure, if sure. That's okay. So I, I think a thing that I want to remind your listeners of is that the law writ large It's not a set of facts. It's not a static thing. It's always a set of arguments. So when we talk about what the law is, um, that isn't always a stable thing, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, I think I referred to this a second ago. While it's obviously important to know the substance of the doctrine that we're dealing with, if we get too narrowly focused on that doctrine, we might miss the fact that there's law and there's law enforcement, and, and those can be two radically different things, right? So in terms of what we're talking about with respect to terrorism, uh, and in particular domestic terrorism, this this matters uh, in terms of, of Trump's proclamation about Antifa being a terrorist organization, because in fact, he does not have authority to declare anything a domestic terrorist organization. The State Department uh, can declare foreign organizations to be foreign terrorist organizations. And that is a a profound power that they Mm -hmm. have. Um, and it's extremely dangerous and it's extremely problematic, in my opinion. Um, but because, at least for the time being, we do in this country have um, the freedom of belief and association, it, they're going to run up against um, problems with um, passing constitutional muster uh, to the extent that they're trying to declare a group to be a terrorist, a domestic terrorist organization. Well, um, mm-hmm. yeah, just especially since, and I think like this is the thing that I think willfully of uh, folks politically on the right misunderstand a lot, like Antifa isn't a group. It's like a set, it's a mix of a set of tactics and a set mm-hmm. of beliefs. And there are some groups like, you know, Rose City Antifa in my own city, who espouse those beliefs and tactics, but like fundamentally what you'd be saying if you actually did criminalize Antifa is you, you're criminalizing an ideology, which we don't get to do here. <laughs> That's, that is correct. Um, I think that it's, it is interesting to look at that misapprehension and I, it's hard to tell 
to what degree it's uh, willful and to what degree it might be just a function of the fact that uh, the authoritarian right does have membership organizations like the Klan that do have a clear hierarchy where you do pay membership dues, where you do have a clear and coherent set of beliefs that are outlined. Um, it may just be a little bit beyond them culturally to understand uh, a movement or a set of uh, tactics that are um, a little less defined, right? Um, but I think it's important to understand that law enforcement generally, from the slave patrols through the use of vagrancy laws to um, do racist policing, to police uh, unsheltered people, to police uh, gender nonconforming people, um, all of this, uh, all of these laws are laws that are enforced in terms of policing identity or status, but because of those constitutional problems that I referred to a minute ago, um, they're framed in terms of policing conduct, even though we know that they're used to police identity, right? Mm -hmm. I think the kind of interesting thing that we're looking at with Trump's proclamation is that he is making no bones about the fact that he is trying to police identity rather than conduct, um, which is a shift, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what scares... And, Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where he's going to have problems, and that's mm -hmm. why... If we're going to focus narrowly on what is what he has the legal authority to do, does he have the legal authority to say Antifa, which even setting aside for the moment is not a membership organization, does he have the authority to say that this group is unlawful? Well, no, he doesn't. That's, that's not a, a, a power that he actually has. But it, neither does it matter. Right. And I think that's the thing that we need to to really drill down on here. Uh, and how does this might be a dumb question, but like, how does Twitter interact with all of this? Because him just announcing things that are legally <laughs> yeah. not true on Twitter <laughs> is one of those things that I'm like, uh, how the fuck is this still happening? And why is he like, it's not. It, is there like any type of protection? Heck, like, I don't understand how he can I, do that. I do feel like there are a lot of people <laughs> within the federal government and even within law enforcement who are trying to figure out what does it mean when the president announces something like this on Twitter. I wish I, if I could tweet and make policy, well, things would be terrible. <laughs> things would be really bad. I actually. don't recommend. There would, die, there, would be, yeah. there would be weird oh. shit. Don't, yeah. yeah it couldn't be possibly be any weirder than the actual shit that's going on. That is um, true, and cocaine <laughs> would be legal. Um, uh, is cocaine legal, Moira? Cocaine well? is, is not okay, legal. Okay, uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Um, so the, the president can tweet these kinds of things for the same reason the rest of us can, and that is because of the very First Amendment. Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering, though, like... <laughs> but there's, like... <sighs> We're in this weird, there's like this very unsettling thing. And I guess some of it's just simply the problem that we have a chief executive in which a great deal of power is vested. Mm -hmm. And a huge amount of that power is informal. So like the president has his constitutional powers, which have existed for forever. And then he has the powers which have evolved over time. Mm -hmm. um, and many of those powers that have evolved over time are based on just sort of like people listen to the president. Um mm -hmm. And it seems like that's what we're seeing with this Antifa stuff more than in anything else. Yeah. That's exactly right, Robert. And so the, I think the, the general point that I want to make, and, and if, if there's a, any clarity that I can give your listeners, it's that there is a difference between lawful authority yeah. and enforcement power, right? Mm -hmm. And there is a difference between the lawful authority of the president to make policy and the ability of the president to broadcast both to state and non-state actors 
that certain kinds of behavior against certain kinds of people will be tolerated or encouraged, right? Yeah. Sure. And so, you know, when we talk about does Trump have the authority to designate, quote, Antifa, whatever that means, as a terrorist organization, it does not matter whether or not he has the authority to do that because he has communicated something altogether different that will nevertheless have real material impacts for how policing happens at every level, for how prosecutions and investigations, convictions and sentencings happen, right? Because the word terrorist is a discursive placeholder that um, allows everyone from police officers to juries to judges granting warrants to rationalize their decisions um, with respect to this word terrorist as opposed to the unexamined uh, ideology through which they are filtering all of these uh, narratives, requests for warrants, um, their understanding as police officers of who it is they're looking at. And so to say Antifa, which is not a real category of person, right, Mm -hmm. is a terrorist organization, suddenly creates this empty signifier that is malleable enough to include or exclude just about anyone. Right. And it's wild to me that he so freely can tweet using the word terrorist when he refuses to use it when there's uh, white school shooters who uh, have his his belief system and there's evidence of that and he mm-hmm. but but he can label a entire group that he knows let's be real nothing about something that they're not i mean as with so many problems that we're having with this administration and right now the problem isn't like the problem is something that has existed for forever cuz like th- this is something that um i've i've heard a lot of comparisons being made between what's what People are afraid will happen with this Antifa declaration and the satanic panic of the uh, late 80s, I think, early Mm -hmm. 90s, which was like, there's no law against being a Satanist. And also, Satanists don't do any of the things that people were punishing (laughs) Satanists for doing. um, And none of those crimes actually occurred. But but people still went to prison for them. Um, And I think it's because of the same thing like you're talking about, this fact that like, uh, the fact that this this is in the air and you know uh, part of a declaration by the president gives um, gives kind of permission for for judges and for 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 prosecutors and stuff to go after individuals more stringently um, and it there's a quote from um, I think it was um, from the like the old like what it was sixties or seventies uh, movie about like movie series about the Bible with um, uh, George C. Scott as Moses. If you ever uh-huh. saw that, I think that's where that's from. Where the, and the, and the line is Moses saying, um, "Man should be ruled by law, not by the will of other men," um, which is a nice idea. <laughs> but... I'm curious about where Moses thinks law comes from or how it is enforced. Well, I think it was a coked up screenwriter who put those words in his mouth. Fair <laughs> enough. Um, but it, it does seem like we're being, yeah, I don't know, ruled by um, kind of the idle will of, of of those in power, which I guess we always have been, but usually there's more of a mask on about it. Um, I, yeah. I am actually going to disagree with you. Okay, <laughs> no, I'm that... glad to be disagreed with because that's yes. a bleak way to look at things. Yes, disagree with him, please. No, I'm just I'm just excited. Well, let's see. Let's see how hard we are going to fight about this. So I don't think this idea that there's a moral panic, um, you know, certainly the moral panic over Satanists and uh, is sort of similar to what's happening with Antifa. But it's by no means the only or even the most obvious 
um, precursor of, of what we're seeing here, right? Um, Fugitive Slave Act on down, um, the police have always gone after people who in any way were even perceived as a threat to dominance, right? And so um, abolitionists, labor movements, uh, women's rights movements, Puerto Rican independence, the Black Panthers, the Black Liberation Army, environmental activists, anarchists, um, anarchists both in the 19th century and then again in the mid-2000s. They do um, like going after us, yeah. Right? Uh, obviously, the Red Scare, right? McCarthyism. Yeah. This is by no means a new thing. I think it is a little, um, because of the executive that we happen to be dealing with right now, yeah. It the there is less of a veneer. Yeah. Um, I think he's less sophisticated about the way in which he expresses these things, and so it might be somewhat more unvarnished. Um, yeah. But but it's certainly not um, a new tactic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is just the first time it's happened on Twitter. Um, mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you're right, we, we, we're doing this this series on the police right now in our normal feed um, to, to give everybody, and, and talking about a lot of what you were talking about is how the police have been sort of, the term that's used in one of the texts I read was um, designated vigilantes for kind mm-hmm. of the, the, the primary power um, group in, uh, in American culture. Whoever that happens to be and whatever they happen to be afraid of, the police are used to fuck those people up. Um, and... Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I I guess that is, I think it it does seem like Trump's kind of calling a shot um, with this, that he hopes that like, I think that I I think that this is the group that enough of the Americans who have, you know, um, money and power and who vote, uh, see these people as the boogeyman of our times that I can going after them will, um, will work out politically and be tolerated politically by me. Like, I guess that's what we're, we're, and I, I guess we don't really know if that will be the case, but that's the shot he's calling. Absolutely. Um, and, and certainly it, he's manufacturing that boogeyman. Yeah. He's, he's working really hard to do that. Um, and I think along with its sort of twin discourse of the outside agitator, um, he's kind of creating these mutually reinforcing um, boogeymen, right, um, that are, you know, deeply racist, deeply anti-Semitic. Um, both of these discourses have a long history of um, being used to erase black radicalism and agency and uh, blame uh, any kind of mass resistance on a few outsiders with uh, sinister ulterior motives, right? Yeah. Who are who are in some way behind the scenes, um, you know, in charge of things. Um, you know, I'm actually going to, if you give me a second, I'm going to take a look at some questions that the Joint Terrorism Task Force was asking while Moira looks that up, why don't we take an ad break? What do you think? Yeah, speaking of the Joint Terrorism Task Force, you know <laughs> who doesn't coordinate federal agencies ooh, ooh, I, in I fighting terrorism? Yeah, it's, yes, Moira, Moira. Who, who is it? Um, uh, the fine products and services that support Robert's programs. That's right. That's right. Facts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. 
But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. We are back and we're talking about Friends of the Pod, the Joint Terrorism Task Force. <laughs> so if you recall, I think at the very beginning, we were talking about the difficulty that the right, the authoritarian right um, has understanding that Antifa is not a membership organization with a clear hierarchy that is in in charge of uh I, I guess, in charge of anti-fascists and protesters. Um, and I think there's a one of the ways in which we see this manifest is in the way that law enforcement interacts with people that they perceive as being in some way adjacent to Antifa. And so over the last couple of weeks of these uprisings in New York, a number of... Um, number of people who were arrested in the course of their First Amendment protected activity uh, were pulled aside and questioned by members of the NYPD and members of the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And some of the questions they were asked were, what do you know about Antifa? Why did you come to New York City? So this is an interesting assumption that the people who have been arrested are not from New York City. Are you in Antifa? What do you do to organize protests? Who told you about the protest? Do you use social media? Do you follow protest-related accounts? Who is in charge of the protests? I think that's that's my favorite. (laughs) That's always the funniest (laughs) one to be. Because they're all, like, generally speaking, very kind of like, enmeshed in hierarchy and they have trouble imagining that you could get a a 1500 2000 3000 thousands of people into the streets acting in concert without like a dude (laughs) right those questions are stupid i mean like minus the new york park it's like my dogs could be qualified for half of those like what i mean you know there's a lot of promise in the social media one i think it should be criminalized to use social media yeah throw us all in prison for using twitter Including the president. Lock oh, us up. it's it's my <laughs> devout hope that whomever was asked whether they use social media just okay boomered that cop. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, don't okay boomer cops though. In all seriousness, if any yeah. police officer asks you anything, uh, just say I am going to remain silent and I want to speak to a lawyer. However attractive an option it might seem to be, really snarky, just. Don't do it. Yeah, they can use those tasers for, like, no reason. That's true. Um, <laughs> at least. At minimum. That's one law thing I do know. <laughs> People ask me a lot, like, um, when can the police arrest me? Right? And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I always say, anyone can be arrested, 
at any time for any reason or no reason at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the answer is whenever they want to. Um, that doesn't mean that you're going to end up being charged or convicted. Sure. Um, but important, important to keep in the back of your mind that there is, there are some ways that you can almost guarantee your arrest, but there are really no ways to guarantee that you will not be arrested. The big takeaway here about Trump, however, whether he's announcing this on Twitter, whether it's coming in a press conference, you know, however, this information is being broadcast, what he's doing is not signaling a change in law. uh, He's working to cultivate a change in the culture of law enforcement. And a change in law is not necessary for the state to get what they want in this case, right? Um, And this is especially true if we consider the fact that the state does not need to prevail in criminal cases or um, find anything damning in criminal investigations in order to massively disrupt social movements, right? Um, I think everyone is probably familiar with the J-20 cases where more than 200 people were kettled uh, and arrested. And the D.C. Circuit, I think, tried to to, uh, allege a conspiracy among all those people. And... You know, they they didn't they failed spectacularly, as I like to say, on a technicality, namely that the defendants were innocent. Ah, and, well, that's unfortunate. Well, I, I think it's it's critical to think that through, though, because, as I said, this um, effort to indicate that we're, you know, that Trump is going to designate a kind of person rather than a type of conduct as unlawful is going to get him into trouble for the same reason that the prosecutors in the J20 cases ended up running up against trouble because the very attributes that they were trying to use as evidence of a conspiracy or as evidence of membership in this conspiracy or participation in this conspiracy are things like belief, style of clothing, presence in a place that are protected by the First Amendment. And that still matters, right? It doesn't mean that it always matters. It doesn't mean that it matters as much as we might want it to. Um, But we do still have the First and Fourth Amendments and trying to criminalize identity as identity without any other um, cover, right, of, of identifying a kind of conduct that is unlawful is, is going to end up being hard for them. But that said, okay, they don't prevail in those cases in court, but defending criminal cases, dealing with grand jury subpoenas, Um, these are stressful. They take a lot of energy from movements. They take a lot of resources and time from movements. They're frightening for people. Um, They create a lot of mistrust within communities. Um, And the fact is, they really take the wind out of the sails of movements because once a single arrest is made, The focus is no longer on the message of that movement. The focus is no longer on whatever uh, that movement was resisting. It becomes focused now on the criminality of protesters or the criminality of the people who um, are seeking a change. It becomes focused on individuals within that movement rather than a mass movement or a social movement or a set of ideals which makes it much more difficult for people who don't already identify with that movement to see themselves in it, right? And so it's not a bad tactic for Trump to um, really foment this fear of Antifa, whether or not it has any 
legal impact at the end of the day, we're still going to go through potentially years of criminal cases, of investigations, of media that totally undermine the capacity of large, broad-based movements to focus narrowly on whatever it is that, you know, in this case, on racial justice, right? How much does this, so like, one thing that I keep thinking of when, I, when I'm thinking about like the worst case scenario for all this is the, um, the green scare, right? Mm-hmm. Where you had this, this kind of burgeoning environmental, I don't know what you want to call it, environmental justice movement that um, uh, was heavily criminalized, people who were trying to take like direct action um, in, in order to stop the, some of the stuff that we're all seeing the consequences of now, um, and the government went after these people and threw a lot of them in prison for, I mean, for a lot of them was the rest of their lives. A ton of them committed suicide in prison and stuff. It's a terrible, terrible story. Um, and it kind of, it's part of why, at least I, I have some friends who were, you know, activists during that period of time and who will credit it as kind of why things in a lot of ways started from zero when Occupy hit again, because like so much kind of institutional memory within our, our national protest infrastructure, whatever you want to call it, was wiped out by that. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm just interested in your thoughts on the matter, because I'm, I'm sure you're, you're, you know more about what happened then than I do. Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, one of my closest friends was uh, incarcerated as a result of the Green Scare. And I, one of my clients, Marius Mason, um, was convicted of some offenses that had they not been deemed to be politically motivated, um, Marius would have gotten, I think, seven to 10 years. Uh, and because uh, the judge uh, included a terrorism enhancement um, or enhanced the sentence as a result of his perception that these, these um, offenses were politically motivated, um, he's now doing, I think, 20, 27 years. Jesus. Right? Um, it might have been 22. I'm sorry. I don't remember right now. But um, but he's still in prison um, as a result of, of the terrorism enhancement, right? And so that word terrorism really does have a, a devastating impact. Um, yeah, I think that... Um, You know, when we look at state repression of movements, it goes well beyond just our individual clients um, or the individuals who are being charged, criminally charged in that moment. Um, The impacts of that sort of echo, right? And it does function to chill even lawful speech. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm... That's what I'm afraid of. I'm, 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 I'm afraid and I'm angry because it's this, you, you mentioned gaslighting, I think, a little bit earlier um, mm-hmm. and feeling that way by the state. And I feel that way by the state and the media when I just look at how certain things are being covered right now. Like, I think I spent a lot of the time in the field with anti-fascist activists, and I've, I have known and seen a number of people do things like chuck a bottle or two at the police. I've definitely seen a lot of windows broken. But the number one thing, like the number one activity, like uh, the number one activity I think I've seen from from anti-fascist activists has been either handing out free food or wa- acting as a protest medic, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that those are those are like the two things that I've seen done the most. Um, and I've also had actual real life terrorists try to kill me with guns and explosives. Um, and the conflation of those two things, and the fact that so many people in the um, in national media are willing to, and I'm not just talking about the Fox News crowd, like the Fox News crowd kind of enthusiastically does it, but so many people outside of Fox News and what is supposed to be our credible media um, at least pay lip service to the fact that these might be the same things. And it makes me feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. and it's also, Robert, I want to I want to speak to that because it yeah. does have really serious implications down the road. Um legally because one of the things that happens is that the we see this mainstream buy-in to this discourse about antifa or the false equivalency between you know anti-fascist protesters and the the charlottesville you know unite the right people 
So part of the danger of this mainstream buy-in to this discourse about anti-fascism and all of the pearl clutching and horror that are being expressed, I, I suspect are a, a way for them to feel like they are preserving their First Amendment rights and their their ability to protest in their particular correct, um, yeah. you know, nonviolent way, right? And they're leveraging that discourse of the anti-fascist terrorist or the outside agitator in, in order to protect their hegemonic dominance, right? But ultimately what they're actually functioning to do is to provide cover and authority to, for law enforcement to degrade the Bill of Rights as it applies to all people. Um, not just Antifa, but to any form of protest. So I, I think it's actually extremely dangerous that we have so much mainstream buy-in and attempt to differentiate the good protester from the bad protester, um, because ultimately that is going to come back to bite all of us in the ass. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan of the the thing that's been going around the 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 uh, graffitied statement that I've seen at a a couple like the Chaz and then I think in Nashville when they try to set up an autonomous zone they put it up too. Um uh n no bad protesters, no good cops. Mm -hmm. Um I do think there's a big misunderstanding uh, uh, from people when they talk about um a diversity of tactics, um, which kind of came out of, I think, St. Paul, right? Um, and it, it's based on this idea that, like, um, you, a variety of different things are needed um, at a protest, like not just peaceful protest. Now, I think everyone's more or less in the same boat about nonviolent protest, but that's not the same as peaceful protest. And that's a distinction I do see people trying to make. But I also see a lot of people chanting peaceful protest um, and and blaming anyone who takes direct action on quote unquote white anarchists, um, which, yeah. yeah. It, and I don't really know how it's all going to shake out. Like we're in this, one of the problems with having a movement like is currently um, building in the nation where you suddenly have more people engaged in activism than have ever been doing it in, in my lifetime, certainly. Um, maybe like real damn briefly before the Iraq war. Um, but that was much more geographically sort of contained, is there's this incredible potential for grifters too. And those grifters are always going to wind up more or less on the side of the state um, because the police love working with the right kind of protesters. Local government loves working with the right kind of protesters because that neutralizes a movement that can be dangerous to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's very dangerous for people to characterize property damage as violence. There's, yeah. I mean, legally and morally. I mm. understand it may be a little easier for people or more obvious or intuitive for people to recognize that um, property damage does not morally justify uh, police violence. I think the thing that I would like to make very clear is property damage does not legally justify yeah. police violence. Um, and I think that that is a point that maybe has been lost a little bit. Yeah, I think a lot about continuum of force and what justifies violence um, because I always have a gun on me. Um, and were, for example, somebody to cut the fence in my front yard and and grab um, you know a, a set of solar panels or something and try to run away with them, and I were to shoot that person, I would go to prison. <laughs> and yeah, I would, you would, unless I were maybe in the state of Texas, then it's a little bit, there's a, some, I, I know there are some times where people in Texas have gotten off with some crazy bullshit shooting people in the back in their front lawns, but um, not in most of the country, right? Like, well, it depends on who you it, are. I would like to remind you, you about uh, Trayvon Martin. Yes. But, uh, you know, didn't a lot of, a lot of um, what's his name? The terrible painter um, who murdered him. Uh, George Zimmerman. Didn't a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> he made that painting. Did we all just forget about the time he tried to become a painter like George W. Bush? I'm sorry. It's just... 
I, um, I know him as the guy who signed Skittle bags and sold them on the internet. Yeah, that's probably the worst. Well, not the worst. Or the guy that sold his, the, the gun he used on the internet for $250,000. I, I do remember, though, when I was looking at sort of like the media, how people particularly in the right-wing media, justified what Zimmerman had done. They all focused on the fact that there was a struggle, right? That, like, he was in fear of uh, of his life, quote-unquote. Um, yeah. So the engagement started over, you know, I, I guess the fear that Trayvon Martin was robbing things. But Zimmerman's justification was, you know, he was, uh, he was in fear of his life, right? Um, which I guess is, I don't know, like the police in my town have said that like, we'll only use tear gas, you know, in life threatening situations. But like yesterday they determined like some kids put a bike lock on a door. Um, and they were like, this is threatening the lives of everybody in the building. And it was like, guys, (laughs) it's a bike lock. And there's like 400 of you outside the building. Like, (laughs) it'll be okay. (laughs) I don't know. Sorry, I'm ranting. I mean, that um, usually means it's time for an ad break. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome to the worst year ever. We'll get through together or not. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. If you're 21 years old and use nicotine or tobacco, I'm here to tell you about Black Buffalo and how it's redefining tradition for millions of adult consumers. So if you're over 21, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults aged 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Everything is so dumb, 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 dumb. So, um, we're back. I, I wanted to ask you about something um, in terms of, like, I, I, since I think we've covered everything, at least I had to say about the, the Antifa matter, I wanted to talk a little bit about, um some some police related stuff since i think a lot of folks listening to this will continue to be engaging in protests and i think we'll probably have another big real big flare up in protests probably around august um that's just my my gut feeling robert Um, are you in charge of antifa and the protests well i'm the ombudsman um so actually i'm in charge of like uh uh kind of internal complaints um so yeah, if you if you have an issue with your local Antifa representative or you're not getting your George Soros checks, you can drop me a line and you know, I can I can help straighten that out. Well, good to know. Um, yeah. I'm curious about the, you know, you seem to have some inside information about mm-hmm. when the protests are when the uprisings will rise <laughs> up. When it's warm and when everybody's uh, unemployment runs out and when eviction <laughs> uh, protections expire, that's kind of my, that's my inside intel based on looking at what's obviously going to happen. Um, a likely yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll have a fun conversation with the FBI about that, I'm sure. Um, so there's like a bunch of questionable police activities. And I think it is important to note to people like what you said, they can't arrest you for any reason. There's no such thing really as them um, arresting you, like not being able to legally arrest you. That's just something they get to choose to do. Like they can't always charge you. They can't always jail you, but they can always take you into custody in terms of like, 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 like we all have our, like our list of, of advice for how to deal with the police. If you're stopped in a car or whatever, right? Like there's a lot of videos on that. In terms of if you are 
I'm wondering like what your advice is to people um, who are interacting with the police at protests in situations where like you're being kettled or they're trying to push a group out of something and like a riot line is advancing on you. If there's like kind of general, uh, generally applicable best practices in your head, I'm, I'm curious as to what you might say on that. Sure. So I guess I, I cannot give legal advice, but I can sure. give information. And what yeah. I would say is um, do your best to stay calm realize that the police are using arrest as a form of crowd control. And if you get detained or arrested, you will be searched incident to arrest. Mm -hmm. So think about that before you go to a protest. There is always a chance that you are going to be swept up, at which point you will be arrested, at which point you will be searched. And that means you probably should not bring anything to a protest that you don't want police officers to look at. And that doesn't just mean uh, handguns and, and drugs. It means maybe your phone, right? Anything that's private, you might also want to shield from view. Um, so I would advise people to encrypt their phone and to not use facial recognition or a fingerprint to yeah. unlock your phone, encrypt your phone and use a passphrase. Uh, there are some really great um, digital security tutorials uh, on the EFF, Electronic Frontier uh, Foundation website. Um, there's a lot of good resources at mutantlegal.info. Um, and then if you are arrested, you know, say, very loudly, I am not resisting. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, let police officers know, you know, whatever sort of what we call pedigree information, your name and address, um, they're going to find out eventually. And um, say, if they try to question you, I am going to remain silent and I want to speak to a lawyer um, because you do have a Fifth Amendment right against compelled self-incrimination, which means you don't have any obligation to speak to law enforcement. Whatever they tell you, you have no obligation to cooperate in a law enforcement investigation, and it is much, much safer for you not to speak to police officers or federal agents without an attorney present. And you do have a right to counsel as well. So once you invoke those rights by saying, I am going to remain silent and I want to speak to a lawyer. Once you invoke those rights, you have to then remain silent. Yeah. That's and that's the key there. They'll take advantage of the natural when someone's friendly to you and nice, mm -hmm. even in a tense situation, uh, particularly actually in a tense situation, there's a desire to reciprocate. Um, mm -hmm. and you have to not fall for that shit. The, f yes. the friendly cops will come out once you're being hauled in. Mm -hmm. um, and they are trying to get you to talk because that's, everything you said. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's correct. The other thing is um, you should not be talking about anything in the moments leading up to your arrest or anything about no. planning an action while you are in custody with any of the people you've been arrested with on social media, to the press. Do not talk about this stuff to anyone but your lawyer or your doctor or therapist. Uh, because ultimately anything you say can and will be used against you. And that doesn't just mean things that you say directly to police. It means things that police can find out. So anything that you say publicly, you might as well be saying to a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um so I, I know that there's a, a sort of picks or it didn't happen mentality this is not one of those situations. Mm -hmm. um, I want to also tell people, if you need medical attention while you're in custody or someone else needs medical attention while you're in custody, please advocate for yourself or advocate for the person who needs medical care. Um, please have an obligation to render medical care or to get you to medical care yeah. if you need it. Um, what we often hear is that police will say, oh, it'll take you longer to get out of custody. Don't worry about it. If you need medical care, get medical care. Yeah, that is both the one. Because, yeah. Both I'm because just... you deserve medical care 
And also because you need to document your injuries. Yeah. Yeah, that is the only thing you ever say other than uh, I'm, you know, not going to speak until my lawyer's present or whatever uh, to a mm-hmm. police officer. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would point out, just based on some stuff I've seen recently in Portland during some actions that could, interactions that could have gone badly, is when you are face-to-face having a any sort of direct interaction with a police officer, never, ever, ever put your fucking hands in your pockets. Not your jacket mm. pockets, not your pants pockets. Hands visible the entire time. For the love of God, don't put your hands in your pockets. Don't get anything out of your pocket. Like, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that I would say as well is I think it's widely understood now that um, we have the right to film police officers in the course of their employment, right? Sure. And that's a really important right. Um, but you basically have the right to do this within a reasonable distance. And the people in charge of the definition of reasonable are police officers. So, you know, if they ask you to back up, I think it's not only, you know, do you sort of back up as little as possible, but narrate what you are doing, right? Mm -hmm. You can say, I'm taking a step back. Anything that you're doing in front of a police officer, it may be worth considering, can I narrate what I am currently doing? Um, So that, first of all, so that there is a record of it. And also because it it may be soothing um, and and explain to police officers that you are not a threat. Because as um, I think you recently did a podcast about um, the way in which police officers are educated to feel yes. embattled and threatened, um, yeah. be, being able to um, make clear to to law enforcement that you are not a threat to them um, can be an important step to take. Um, yeah. The other thing that I would say is, in, in the same way that we don't want you to make public statements um, that are basically discoverable by, by law enforcement that could be used as evidence against you, I would really caution people um, to be very circumspect about discussing any unlawful behavior in which they themselves have engaged or even that they witnessed. Um, Because depending on what it is, um, anyone who ends up having knowledge or even someone who is believed, however incorrectly, to have knowledge of a federal offense can be summoned to give testimony before a federal grand jury. And there are a bunch of uh, absolutely lawful grounds for refusing to give testimony before a federal grand jury, Um, but it requires a great deal of litigation. And uh, that litigation is almost always unsuccessful. And the consequence for refusing to give um, immunized testimony before a federal grand jury is that you can be held in civil or criminal contempt and confined in prison. Um, So grand jury subpoenas can be extremely disruptive to movements, even and especially if nobody collaborates with the grand jury investigation. And, you know, I know that's a a very abbreviated explanation of this. And there are um, a lot of resources about what a grand jury is um, and how they work um, online. And some of them are at that site that I mentioned before, mutantlegal.info. And it's really worth looking into those and, and educating yourself about what a grand jury is Um, and and how they operate. Um, But suffice it to say, one of the ways that um, you can protect yourself and your community is by not boasting or uh, speculating about unlawful conduct that that you heard about or saw or engaged in. Um, Because it puts you at risk and it puts, frankly, your entire community at risk. And I think that's a pretty good note to end on. So please um, listen to the information that Moira has provided because uh, I think it's important. Um, And please uh, don't talk.
cops as a rule. <laughs> um, but if you ever are questioned by an FBI agent, don't lie because that is a felony. Um, it is an independent <laughs> offense. Please, yeah. the, one of the reasons that I always tell people and that we always tell people it's much better not to speak to federal agents uh, is that if you have a constitutional right not to speak to a federal agent, lying to a federal agent, even unintentionally, is a federal offense. Sure is. Wow. Where is there anything that you would like us to uh, plug for you? There is, actually. Um, the first thing that I would like to plug is the concept of not talking to law enforcement. The second thing I would like to plug is uh, the concept of only using water to get pepper spray and tear gas oh, out of your Lord, eyes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I would also like to the people in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would also like to plug the uh, National Lawyers Guild New York City chapter Twitter account, which is NLGNYC News, and the National Lawyers Guild New York City chapter Instagram account, uh, where there are lots of very beautiful uh, informational tiles. Um, written by attorneys and designed by amazing black artists and graphic designers that you can look at and share. And the Twitter handle for that is at NLG, as in National Lawyers Guild, underscore NYC, as in New York City. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all of that with us. Robert, all righty. Is there anything you would like to plug before I give our social meds? No, I've never done anything but this exact podcast being recorded right now, Sophie. So I'm not sure That's what true. I'd even plug. Yeah, this is the, the entirety of my body of work. Uh, well, uh, that's fake news. But uh, <laughs> uh, you can follow this podcast at Worst Year Pod on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow Robert at I Write Okay on Twitter, not Instagram. Uh, Robert has a new series called Behind the Police, which you can listen to in the Behind the Bastards feed. Where you sure can. Where we talk about how fucking awful the police have been since the very, 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 very beginning. And uh, you can follow Katie Stoll, who's not here at Ad Katie Stoll. You can follow Cody at Dr. Mr. Cody. And mm-hmm. um, you can follow me on Twitter at Y underscore Sophie underscore Y. That was weird. I didn't like that. But go and ahead. You can follow your heart. Yes. Out into the streets and to you engage in your legal right to dissent. And once again, all of more is advice. <laughs> Don't talk to cops. Lovely. Okay, so uh, during this afternoon's recording, I managed to say that the Klan had a coherent set of beliefs when what, in fact, I should have said is that the Klan has a unitary and authoritative set of beliefs. I misnamed the jurisdiction in which the J-20 prosecutions occurred I said it was prosecuted in the D.C. Circuit. Um, I think what I was trying to say was that um, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia prosecuted those cases. So, um, again, what it should say is that prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the District of Columbia ran up against problems trying to make a case for conspiracy. I think I also managed to refer to the Instagram handle of the NLG underscore NYC account as the Twitter handle. So again, that should be the Instagram handle is at NLG underscore NYC. Worst Year Ever is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store.